My Life Now is a half-hour podcast show which regularly features reviews of new releases and all-time classics of both traditionally published and self-published books. Tune in for special guest interviews and, of course, helpful tips to not only write your next book, but also to help market it. My Life Now is most often referred to as a great way for authors to get quality exposure and avid readers to discover their next read. Without further delay, here's another stimulating episode of My Life Now. Welcome back to another episode of My Life Now. My name is Dallas Montague and I am the co-host here today. And today we have another amazing guest, Vince Baker. Vince, how are you today? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Vince, where are you calling from? I'm in Folsom, California, which is outside of Sacramento. Have you lived in California your entire life? I have. I was born in LA and and raised up in the Placerville area in the Northern California area. How did growing up in California affect your faith? Well, I don't know how it affected me, but I've had multiple experiences here in California with God. And uh, that led to actually to my salvation, which I know we'll get into later. But uh, I know this is a very progressive state, but where I'm at, there's a lot of conservatives. Yeah, I don't know very much about California either, but I do hear that it is a difficult place for Christianity. You know, it, it's a mission field in its own. And, and so, yeah, interesting. Thank you for joining us today, Vince. And today we're going to talk about two books that you have released. One is called The Prophetic War on Words. And the second is called Supernatural Security Clearances. And we're going to get deeper into this. But before we do, can I have you just share a little bit about your personal Christian testimony for our audience? Yeah, I I was, um, my parents divorced when I was five years old. And it had a very dramatic effect on my life. And I got I ended up with a very abusive stepfather. And then I ended up going to my dad's because I was crying every day. And by the time I was a teenager, I had really been hurt deeply and uh, not really spiritually protected. And I really didn't want to live anymore. But I was raised Baptist, and I even said I wanted to be a preacher when I was a child. And I, and I had a lot of ex- experiences with God, you know, and I baptized in water. And, but it, it, it didn't really stick like it was going to later. When I was 17... I was driving in my car and it was on July 9th and I came over a hill and I, and I know the exact place. I just got off work and it was around 5.15. I got off work at five. I was driving home. And all I can say is God himself manifested in my car and started talking to me. And it, it wow. just was so overpowering of experience. And then I don't know those in the audience that are Pentecostal, but then he also gave me another language, which I didn't know anything about that because I was raised Baptist. So I didn't know anything about that. I ended up going home and, and um, asking my mom, which my mom was going through a revival in her life herself. And I have, I have some really deep heritage from my, on my mom's side, my grandma, my great grandma, real women of God. My, my one grandma actually cleared out a hospital by faith and was a real woman of faith. So wow. and my other grandma had prayed that someone would be a preacher in the family. And I ended up taking up that call. So I went home and I asked my mom to lead me to Christ. Uh, and cause I was, I was just so hungry. So she leads me to the sinner's prayer and she says, well, would you like to receive the baptism in the Holy spirit? I said, yeah, I want everything. 
And she goes, well, you'll speak another language. I said, well, God gave me a language in the car. She goes, well, speak that language. And that language came out of me. And I have this language to this day. And from that point forward, I uh, had miracle signs and wonders, uh, dreams, uh, were, and just close encounters with God. God started speaking to me. And uh, I repented of all my sins, got right. I ended up going to a Christian high school that year, met up with an evangelist, and he was taking the ch uh, churches to the streets. I lived five minutes from him. I ended up becoming his right-hand man. And I was able to go out and take the churches to the streets, the homeless, which is very close to my heart, helping the poor. And we saw blind eyes open, a lot of miracles. Wow. And, and then my mom and that minister wanted me to go to Bible college, which I didn't want to go. But I said, well, if God pays for it, I'll go. And it ended up getting all paid for. And I went to Bible college, became valedictorian. <clears throat> but during that time, God told me that I was young. He said to prepare myself, but he revealed to me it wouldn't be until in my 50s that God would start using me, which I'm 53 now. And this is when I release these books, which we'll get into. And it has a lot to do with God prophesied over me when, when during that time. One thing, my grandma gave me a book from Smith Wigglesworth on my birthday. So I got, July, I got saved on July 9th. My birthday is July 26th. My grandma hands me this book from Smith Wigglesworth, The Secret of His Power. And God started speaking to me in that book. But he didn't really start his worldwide ministry until I was in his 50s. And the Lord said, then that's how it's going to be with you. If you tried to become an author and you figured out how to get started, but your process was stalled or selling books seems overwhelming, it's not your fault. The unusual way does not work for most folks. And that's why so many books end up in the graveyard. It's time to consider the unusual approach. The robot book method has everything you need to publish and distribute your first book. Find more information at robotthebook.com or by searching outlineyournextbookchallenge.com. Hey entrepreneurs, have you ever heard of profit integration? They have a system called the Sales Accelerator Plus that gets you high quality leads without spending a ton of money on marketing or advertising. The owner Ray Jackson has written an ebook called The Profit Finder, which consists of eight strategies you can use to generate profits without spending any money. And he's giving away a free copy to all listeners. Just go to increasesaleswithoutmoney.com forward slash ebook to get your free copy today. And the Lord said, Vince, that's how it's going to be with you. And Why do you think it was like that for you? Why do you think you needed to wait until you were 50? Because it sounds like you were being used by God already. Well, I, I, would, I would say more being prepared by God. I was being used, but not 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 at the level what I see in the Bible of miracle signs and wonders and the real release of power in the New Testament, which we really don't see in a lot of churches. We see it some, but we don't see it a lot because I have a vision for, I mean, to really see a manifestation of what's in the Bible, the dead being raised, devils coming out, miracle signs and wonders. So as I started getting closer um, to my call, I, I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know who Kim Clement is, Prophet Kim Clement. He actually pulled me out of the crowd and prophesied over me when I was young, in my twenties. And he told me to prepare myself that God was going to use me. So I, I believe if you look in the Bible, Moses wasn't. He was eighty, right? When he started ministry, Jesus didn't start until he was thirty. And the Lord showed me that some of the most powerful ministries on the earth might take 30, 50 to eighty years to prepare for, and that might only last three years. But those are some of the most powerful ministries on the earth. So in my experience, it's been more of a growing, leading uh, by the Lord. And 
And I also, as I started getting closer, this is about seven years ago, as I started getting closer to what God had promised me in my 50s, I started really seeking God. I mean, at a high level. And and really, and and I went through some tough times in my 30s. But what happened is, I want to share an experience. But what happened is, I I had asked this question. I said, why is the Ark of the Covenant the most powerful artifact in the Old Testament? It's not even mentioned once by Jesus. It's rarely mentioned in the New Testament. Once in Hebrews, it says we can't really talk about it there. And then it's mentioned in the book of Revelation. So I had that question. I talked to people and I wasn't trying to necessarily find the ark, but it was a really, I felt it was a divine question. Well, I let it go because I couldn't get the answer. About two weeks later, I was confessing scriptures and in prayer, spending some time with the Lord. And I was listening. And at the end of it, I was listening to uh, Carmen and he had done a, a song called Jericho, where they marched the Ark of the Covenant around Jericho. And he did a song on that. But when it got to the end of the song, when it crescendoed, I kid you not, the Holy Spirit fell. I mean, fell on me. And exactly like the Bible said, it, that's exactly how it feels. So he just falls on you. I entered into a vision and I saw four men carrying the Ark of the Covenant into a church. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, just like a large church going up on the altar. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, wherever you read Ark of the Covenant, think Holy Spirit. And whenever you read Holy Spirit, think Ark of the Covenant. Put the two together and you'll know, you'll understand me. So I went and did that. And, but out of that experience, the Holy Spirit taught me a way to study the Bible. I started looking things up everywhere it was found. So if I, if I found a subject like faith or love or uh, the Lord is with you or the charge of the Lord or the Ark of the Covenant, Holy Spirit, I would look that up every single place it was found in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I was led by the Spirit in these studies. And these were some of the most life-changing studies. And I went to Bible college and I was valedictorian, but I never learned the Bible like this. And a lot of the stuff that's in my two books came out of those seven years, these last seven years of just deep spending time with the Holy Spirit. Where I, it changed me. It forever changed me. And I got revelations during that time that I wouldn't have got. But the Holy Spirit taught me how to study the Bible. And a lot of those revelations I put into these books. And I got more. I mean, I've done probably over 320 of those studies and still doing them. So that, that's kind of the lead up to me writing these books. If I hadn't had that time, these books wouldn't have been so impactful because the Holy Spirit loaded these books. And inside these books, there's a lot of secrets that I got from the Lord. And I use a lot of scriptures to prove those uh, truths, but they're not taught or preached a lot in the Bible, or I'm sorry, in churches, but it's right there in the Bible for everyone to see. And I bring up all the verses in these books. One thing I want to touch on for our audience is that you said again, that you had to wait until you were about 50 to receive this anointing or, or what you're saying here. That makes me think of the Israelites waiting for their promise, but some of them never experienced their promise. And so what would you say for our audience today who are in that waiting season? God is saying, wait till you're 50. What do we do in the waiting? Yeah, I don't know if the age is the time frame, because, um, you know, Jesus started and it was 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was in my 30s, and and I was going through some really rough times during that time. And I was the farthest away from these promises coming to pass. And I would watch shows like American Idol. And then, you know, someone would get their dream to come to pass. Like, oh, you know, and they would enter into their calling, right, as a singer. Mm-hmm. And I would cry. I would just cry. And, but I knew it wasn't time. I knew it wasn't time. And I didn't understand the plan of God. But I will say I'm so thankful that I waited and 
the Holy Spirit, I, I guess it'd be the best way of saying, took me in the backside of the desert and just taught me, taught me the scriptures, taught me and, and taught me. I was, I was really uh, trained by the Holy Spirit. And when you read the books, you'll see that. So what I would say to people is that the waiting time, you know, it's not so important like doing ministry. You know, Jesus said, you know, there's many people have come and say that we cast out devils and we did this and we did all these great things in your name. And they'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. The greatest thing is to minister to the Lord and to have a relationship. And people would challenge me during that time. No, you're not doing it now. You're not preaching. You're not doing this. And I, and I was like, yeah, but I'm enjoying my walk with the Lord. And I, and I enjoy my walk with the Lord more than just trying to get into ministry or write books. I was just letting yeah. the spirit when to do this. So I really have a walk with the Lord and I treasure that more than anything. I think that's important to remember that that is the first calling. You know, being a son is the first calling before serving. And as myself, I'm a missionary living in Brazil. Before I lived in Brazil, I was in Asia. And I've always had that, I want to serve, I want to serve. But you're so right. We have to first have that relationship with the Lord. And that's a great reminder for our audience today. Thank you. I've developed a really close walk with the Lord during this time. I spent a lot of time alone. I was separate from a lot of people. It was very painful. But the revelations and the relationship that's come out of it is just wonderful. And, and I feel I minister out of that now more than just trying to be in ministry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And a couple other things. So let's start on the first book, The Prophetic War of Words. This is a powerful book. It sounds like that understanding the words that we have, we have authority. What can you tell us about this book? Yeah, it starts off at the beginning of creation, obviously, with the devil challenging the words uh, that God said, don't eat of this tree, right? Trees represent people. Those two trees represent God and the devil. It says, if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you'll die. So the devil challenges him. And, you know, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. <clears throat> so I go into direct detail about the power of words, the power of speech, and uh, how to speak to a mountain, how to make it move. Uh, I, I use the story of Lazarus. If you look at Lazarus, you know, he was dead, you know, Jesus waited, he gets there. But it says right before him, before he raises from the dead, that he had prayed to the father. The father heard him. Jesus said, I thank you that you hear me. But Lazarus is still dead. Jesus had to get in front of that tomb and say, Lazarus, come forth for Lazarus to be raised from the dead. So I go into detail about, you could really call it the prayer of faith. But I go into detail about what it takes to speak to things, how to remove doubt. One thing the Lord showed me, the one reason why people have doubt in their heart, because the Bible says that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. So I go into detail. One reason why people have doubt in their hearts, because we live in a natural world and their whole life, they've seen people get sick and die and uh, and not recover, or maybe two, it takes a few weeks or a month to recover. We see bad things happen, and and there's no inner, there's no miracles. Then then one day, someone called Jesus, walk comes along and says, "Oh, you can be raised from the dead." And like mm -hmm. what? Or you know, I can open those blind eyes. I know you've been born blind, and like that never happened before. I can get rid of that devil that's tormenting you. And people have to make a decision at that point. Uh, to break away from what they've known their whole life and to enter into the miraculous. And I teach people about that. I go into the 16 laws of faith uh, about a pure conscience, keeping the commands of God. I go into uh, the importance of prayer and fasting. Uh, 
One thing also, um, the Bible's filled with stories. One interesting story about the war of words is because if you look at creation, creation is neutral and creation only responds to what's being spoken to it. Meaning if you have an evil person speaking to it, Jesus said evil things will come to pass. And if a good person speaks to it, good things will come to pass. Mm -hmm. And our whole life is dictated by what we say. And creation is just here to facilitate what we believe and speak. And whatever you believe and whatever you speak out of your mouth is what you're going to encounter in this life. But one of the stories I bring up is about Elijah and Jezebel. Elijah brings calls down fire and, and he, he kills the prophets of Baal. And he really probably believed that there was going to be a revival. Jezebel had already killed prophets of the Lord. She had already done that. So Elijah runs to where to the city where Jezebel's at. And what does what does Jezebel do? She she could have sent uh, the army and just had him killed or tried to have him killed. But what does she do? She sends a messenger. Why? She has to send a messenger and say, "Tomorrow about this time you die," because she knew she had to defeat him verbally. She had to get into a war of words. And if you look throughout the Bible, there's always a war of words. And, and if people might be in a struggle or a battle, and they have to understand that it's going to be the war of words. Uh, a doctor might give you a, a statement, say that you're going to die in six months, or maybe a lawyer, uh, you're being attacked or sued, and these letters are coming at you. If you look at Hezekiah, Sennacherib, he was sending uh, a messenger, and he, was also, he also sent a letter. And Hezekiah laid that letter out before the Lord because it was a war of words and he was attacking God saying he was going to destroy that city. So when you look at the Bible, it's full of um, words. And if you look at Jesus, this is one thing, this is a mystery. A lot of people don't realize, but Jesus was speaking to things. He told us to speak to mountains. He spoke to the fig tree. If you look at the story about the fig tree, it says that Jesus answered it. Well, that means it had to be talking to him. So all of creation can hear, think, and also communicate. Now, I wouldn't say speak, but communicate is probably a better word. And if you look at the story when he rebuked the um, the sea, remember when the sea and, and he was in the boat and he was asleep on a pillow and it was filling up and his disciples were afraid. When Jesus woke up, it says that he rebuked the sea and told, or the winds and told the, uh, the, the sea to hold its peace. And that, that word peace means to muzzle your mouth. And um, so if you look, I go into great detail and I show all these verses about where Jesus was rebuking fevers. He was rebuking uh, storms. He rebuked the fig tree. He told people to speak to mountains. He was saying, speak to things, speak to things. And they have to listen. I know a story of a, a minister and he was, um, he got finished speaking. This lady came up to him and said, I don't believe what you're teaching. He was teaching about faith. And he goes, what do you mean? She goes, well, my, my husband, he had cancer and he was a Christian. He was a good man of God. And we had people all over the earth praying for him and he died at a young age. And so this minister, the Lord told him, he said, well, ask her if he ever spoke to the cancer. And she said, what? He goes, did you ever hear your, your husband hold a conversation with the cancer? She's all, what? Mm-hmm. And she realized that although they had prayed, no one spoke Maybe directly to the cancer. Jesus taught people, mm-hmm. you got to speak to things. Now, the reason why this is important, because we were made in the image of God. And God gave man authority over the earth. So someone on the earth has to speak to it. And then God backs it up by his spirit. I also get into the hand of the Lord, because if you, if you understand the statement, the hand of the Lord, God doesn't have a body like we have. He's a spirit. 
So when he speaks, when he's referring to the hand of the Lord, he's referring to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the hand of the Lord that goes and does what he speaks. So when God was creating and saying, light be, the Holy Spirit was fulfilling that. And that's considered the hand of the Lord. Just like we work with our hands, the Spirit of the Lord is the hand of the Lord. And then the, the, the climax of the book is I get into the Antichrist. And the Antichrist, it says seven, it says four times, and I think Daniel chapter seven about him speaking with great swelling words. Great, and it's mentioned over and over again. I've never heard anyone really talk about it. It's even mentioned in um, the book of Revelation how he speaks all these great swelling words against God. And it makes the point four times in one chapter. And why would it do that? Because the earth, and then look at the earth during the time of Revelation. It's in chaos because the earth can't handle those words being spoken to it. And it's causing earthquakes and all these terrible things happening. So what happens at the end? Jesus comes back on a white horse. And what does it say? It says he's the word of God, right? Mm-hmm. And the sword coming out of his mouth. Well, we think that it's like a weapon, but really he has to go fight all the words that were spoken by the Antichrist and all these evil people on the earth that caused all this evil destruction in the book of Revelation. And his words have to dominate the words of the devil. And so the point of one of the point of the Bible is you have to be stronger in your faith and the words coming out of your mouth than the words that are attacking you. And that's exactly what Jesus does when he comes back. He fights all the words of this Antichrist because this Antichrist is speaking terrible, terrible things. And it makes a point about in the Bible over and over again. So there's a, there's a war going on, and this war rages from the beginning all through the Bible. Uh, we go through these wars all the time. I've been through different mm-hmm. wars, and um, you know I'll just give a personal story. One time I, I had some taxes. I got a little behind in my taxes. I'm self-employed, and, and I got behind, and I, and, I, and I felt the devil say, you're going to jail. <laughs> I said, oh, no, and it really scared me, you know, because you know, I'm a law-abiding citizen, but I just I got in a financial situation. And the Lord told me, said, Vince, this will happen if you don't fight it. So I had to get up and had to start speaking, 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 speaking against it. Well, I ended up getting a miracle and I got thousands and thousands of dollars and I was able to pay that tax off within just like a couple of weeks. I got that and it was just an absolute miracle. I paid all my taxes off and I actually had the money left over. I even paid some debts off. It was, it was just incredible. But it, that was one of the real big breakthroughs where I really learned the strength of this message that. This, the devil was speaking to me that this is going to happen to you. And this is what happens to people. You know, we get these thoughts and it's fear. Mm-hmm. You got to battle those thoughts. You got to take those thoughts captive and you got to speak against them. And I, I would just be in my car, be outside. And I would just be decreeing and declaring the word of the Lord and speaking to that debt. And it, and I got the answer within a couple of weeks. I want to, so this is a powerful but, teaching. This is amazing. More people need to hear about this power of words. I want to go back a second. You were talking about the authority that we have as children of God. And what would you say, let's say a situation like this, where someone is praying for healing, let's say your cancer story, where the guy has cancer, and some people can pray, Lord, if this is your will, heal this man. Or you could speak against it. I rebuke this cancer in Jesus' name. What would you say about those two statements? Yeah, a lot of people think that like, if you look at, if you look at the story right there and, and <clears throat> when Jesus is talking about speaking to the mountain, you know, there's two parts to prayer. One, you're praying to God and you're making sure it's his will, right? And, and a big part of that, <clears throat> when you get into James, talks about the prayer of faith and it says that they have committed sins. Sin, and Jesus told people, look, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The person that 
is doing the prayer of faith. They have to be right with God. They can't be living in sin and they have to have a clean conscience. The person they're praying for, if they have sinned, they need to repent of their sin. And if and then that clears everything up. And then once everything's cleared up in the courts of heaven, then a man of God, or you could say a police officer, has to come in and enforce the law. And that's mm-hmm. when you speak to the mountain. There's an that's how you enforce it. The Holy Spirit backs up what you say, but you have to be living right with God because the Bible says God will not hear sinners. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The man that was born blind, he said, now we know that God heareth not sinners, right? So you have to be, you have to be a clean conscience and living right before God to offer up that prayer. But then if you're in right stand with God, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then that's when you can pray, but someone does have to speak to it to make it happen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. For or, or lay hands or do something. Some, mm-hmm. But someone living on the earth has to make it happen. The hands and feet of Jesus. Excellent. Well, and, I, I want to add so that yes, there, go ahead, go ahead. there would be no miracle. Look, there would be no slaying of Goliath without David. There would be no Philistines dying without Samson. Whatever God wanted to do something he always had to go find a deliverer a lot of times christianity believes today that oh you know god just is going to do it on his own that's not true the whole bible the, the whole bible declares something different when god went to go do something when he wanted to deliver the children of Israel, he had to go find gideon he had to go find moses he had to get abraham he had to get david he had to find someone that he could use a prophet jesus or the apostles someone on the earth that he could use because God has given authority to man on the earth right now. That's why it was so important that Jesus died and rose again, because he as a man took authority back from the devil. And we, as we're living on the earth, we have the right in the name of Jesus to do the same things. But we have to get in covenant with God to do that. Mm -hmm. What could you tell us about your second book, Security Clearances? Yeah, I'm very excited about that book, because that book gets into uh, something very historical, Security clearances, is, it's basically the nations of this world. If you're going to get a security clearance in this world, you have to do a background check. But what, but what does a security clearance give you? It gives you access to secret locations, powerful weaponry like atomic bombs or chemical weapons, or, or we can't even have an automatic rifle, right? That's only mm-hmm. for the uh, military. And it also gives you access to confidential information or top secrets. So it's no different in God's kingdom. And I go into great detail um, that, look, Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. That was a secret location. God's heavenly throne room is a secret location. The Holy of Holies is a secret location. If, the, if someone went in there without permission, they would die. There's only the only the high priest would go in right once a year. There's also called the secret place of the Most High. It says that uh, the New Jerusalem that if that dogs and sorcerers and liars will not have any partaker of that, like you have to get a security clearance to even have access into heaven. And uh, then also weaponry, you know, Samson had powerful strength to kill the Philistines thousand with a donkey jawbone. Uh, Elijah called down fire and killed people. Moses uh, brought down curses on Egypt, uh, plagues. And, and this is, this is powerful weaponry. It's different type of weaponry. You know, we're used to swords or maybe guns, but, you know, God's weaponry, he uses all of creation. You know, a meteorite can come out of heaven and just take out Sodom and Gomorrah, right? <laughs> and we're not, we're dealing with the God that doesn't fight the way that, you know, the Bible said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. These are powerful weapons. Even Christians, you know, we have the sword of the Lord, which is weaponry, right? And that weaponry can increase in you, which is, and we have the armor of God. 
And then you have top secrets. Daniel was given not only the interpretation of dreams, but he was also given the dream, which no one ever had done that before. He was also given secret information about the future. So was John. And, and a lot of people don't realize this, but Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll reveal you things to come, meaning a part, a big part of Christianity is to have a revelation on the future, which is a secret. Prophecy, it says that uh, those that prophesy said the secrets of the heart were being revealed. So God reveals secrets. So I go into detail about the, the weaponry of God, this top secrets and the confidential information. But then the whole point of the book is the security clearances, but there's a background check. And one of my favorite chapters, I do a chapter on Elijah and Elisha. If you look at um, <clears throat> Second Kings chapter two, it's right before Elijah takes off and he takes Elisha to four different locations. Uh, he t- Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and then the Jordan River. And, and, he, and he tells um, Elisha, Elisha, you know, he can stay behind. Well, people don't know this, but Elijah had another servant when he ran from Elijah, uh, I'm sorry, from Jezebel. He told that servant to stay <clears throat> and that servant stayed. He told Elisha to stay and he wouldn't stay. He kept following him. And he says, well, if you see me when I take off, you'll get this mantle. But each of those locations are symbolic of something. Gilgal's where they did circumcision. Uh, they did the first Passover there when they came, when they crossed over Jericho. So it's a place of circumcision of your heart. It's a, it's a place of warfare. Bethel is the first place where a vow was made to God. That's where Jacob had the experience with the ladder of the angels of God ascending and descending. And there was a, um, that's where he made a vow. So we make vows to God, which I, I get into, I have 16 different vows. I believe that are really important to be a Christian. Just to mention a couple of them is you make a vow not to sin. Keep your conscience pure before the Lord. That one verse that says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that word confess actually means make a covenant or cut a covenant. So really a better way, because a lot of people read that verse and think, well, if I just say the name of Jesus, I'll be saved. No, no. You have have to make a covenant with your mouth that Jesus will be your Lord. But if Jesus is going to be your Lord, that means you're going to obey what he says and not commit sin if he's really going to be your Lord. So I go into details about that. And I go on, and if you look, even Jesus had to get a, uh, had to go through tests. He went through tests in the wilderness mm-hmm. to get his security clearance. He had to pass that test. Jesus himself. I go into Peter, James, and John. They were allowed to go with Jesus, uh, one with Jairus' daughter when she, he was going to be raised from the dead. Jesus also took Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. And when he, and he, they got to see the glorified Christ. But when he was coming down off the hill, he told them, he said, I'm going to be crucified, but don't tell anyone. Why didn't Jesus want anyone to know that he was going to be crucified? Because it says in 1 Corinthians that if they had known that he, if in killing him, that he was going to take over the world, they wouldn't have killed him. So Jesus was on a top secret, uh, top secret mission. Now we all know it because it's already happened, but during that time, People didn't, most people didn't know Jesus was the Christ. They didn't know what he was up to. It was a top secret information. Now we all know it because he died and rose again and he got that authority. But if the devil had known that, he wouldn't have crucified him. So I go into a lot of details like about that. I also get into the charge of the Lord. Every, every person that is called is given a charge from, from God. That, this book is very exciting. I, I go into detail from probably a different direction than people have probably have seen before and it's very wonderful how it all comes together and it gets into the high call of god 
And then, and I use one of the strongest parables is the parable of Jesus, the sower sows the word. You know, the first person that he sows the word with, they it goes, um, the birds pick it up because they don't have understanding. The second one, uh, it dries up by the sun because they don't have any endurance. They're not willing to endure to um, being tempted or tested. The third one, it it goes on good ground, but what takes away is it says the cares of this life. Um, the deceitfulness of riches, mm-hmm. uh, basically distractions of this world, entering and it chokes the world. And then then the final one, 30, 60, and 100 fold. So he's given a detail right there that if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, which really is the anointing or the high call, you have to you have to understand it, the mysteries. You have to be committed to them, even against persecution and not give up. You also can't get distracted by the things of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word. And you have to be committed to it. And those are the ones that bring forth the harvest. And even out of that, you know, 30, 60, 100 fold. So I go into detail about, you know, being an elite warrior. If you look at the Navy SEALs or you look at any of these programs, these people are 100% dedicated and they will not quit. They will not give up. Just like Elisha wouldn't give up. And I love the story of Ruth because she says, I will not leave you. Your God will be my God, your people, my people, and off, but death will have to depart us, right? Or separate us. And it's those ty- it's that type of commitment uh, that, you, you know, because God's looking for people he can trust. And if he can trust you, he can give you access to locations, powerful weaponry, high anointings, gifts of the spirit, and uh, top secret information. All the stuff that we need. We need that yeah. stuff. That's amazing. Well, you shared so many things. I want to give our audience one more thing here. Some of the questions that you answer in your book, how do you speak to mountains and make it move? The 16 laws of faith, the lost art of, re- of rebuking. How did Elijah access Elijah's mantle? How, what does it require to be a true disciple of Jesus? And so many other questions that you talk about and answer in your books. Is there anything else that you would like to discuss today? to leave with our audience. Yeah, I want to I want to leave everyone with this experience I had a couple of weeks ago. I was <clears throat> I entered into a visionary experience and I saw God looking at someone that had just died and looking at their life. And I saw the intensity of how he had to judge everything they said, everything they did, everything they didn't do. <clears throat> And the Lord showed me that it's very intense when he has to look at someone's life, if he's going to send them to hell or let them go to heaven. And then he showed me people on the earth where they were walking around. And I, and I did a message on this. I called it the watchers, the eyes of the Lord and the books of heaven. And I saw people on the earth that they were just totally uh, oblivious to the fact that they were being watched. Everything that they were doing was being written in books, everything. And they were acting like it didn't even matter. And then I looked over when you get to heaven. And so the Lord showed me that one parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man was, he had a great life. And Lazarus was laid at his gate daily and the dogs were licking his sore and he was poor. And this guy didn't do anything to help him. And they both die. And it says that the rich man is in hell and then Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham. And he's, and you can tell that this rich man be looking back. Why didn't I help him? Why did I do anything? And he said, Go back and send someone to my brothers and, and my father. Tell them to warn them about this. And I saw the intensity of God looking at lives and people not realizing they're being watched. 
that they're being, everything's being watched. Everything's being written in books and God judges about those. And then, and those that are saved are written in the book of Lamb's book of life, but you can't, your name can't be blotted out. If you do things contrary to the will of God, you can get your name blotted out of there. So I just want to leave people that, that God is watching everything we say. That's why my book, my first book is so important because the, the Bible also has a lot to say about not speaking evil. And Jesus said, we're going to be judged by every idle word that comes out of our mouth. And there's so much importance on the words we say, what we speak, what, you know, Jesus said, it's not, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him, what comes out of his mouth that defiles him, what comes out of his heart and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's what we live out of. That's why we have to repent and have the laws of God written on our heart. God's watching everything. He's watching everything. And, and I see so many people and I actually just had a close family member. I'll actually say it. My dad died. And I'd gone and I'd really witnessed to my dad, and this is back in December, and I'd witnessed to my dad for years. And finally, I just realized he just, he just never took God serious. And then he passed away, and I just know that he never took God serious. And it's really sad. I tried so hard for many, many years. And um, it's really sad to see someone very close to you, you know, not take God serious and not take the things of God serious. I'm not going to say if you went to heaven or hell, I'm not here to judge like at that level, but I'm just saying... Every life has to be looked at and God's going to look at your life and he's going to measure it. And, and, it, and the Lord showed me the intensity that he does with that. So I believe these yeah. books are going to help people because the first book helps people how to speak. The second book is really about people entering into high calls. And what's the high call? It's so we can go out and save the world. We can help people and teach people these things. So these two books work together. My goal is to really help people I want to help the lost. I want to help people with their words. I want to teach people the ways of God. I really do believe I'm a messenger of the covenant. God has called me in all these years. He's prepared me. And I'm just here to help people walk in that covenant of God, enter into the new covenant and how to really please God. And that when they go to heaven, that they'll have a, that it'll be an exciting day on judgment day when they stand before Christ. And they won't be disappointed because they just lived a life of sin and uselessness or distractions that will go for the high call of God. Amazing. Vince, thank you so much for sharing these things. These are great reminders for us, even people who have been following the Lord for years to remember that, yes, the words that we say are so important. We have authority. And the other thing that you said that really stuck out to me was this parable of the sower, that we need to be the one who is receiving the word. And the fourth one, the fourth option that you were saying, they're not being choked out by the world, not being distracted, all of those things. Thank you so much for all the things that you shared today. Where can we find these books? I have both of my books on Amazon. You can just search there. I, I have them posted all over the internet. And I also have some uh, video trailers. You can look up, you know, supernatural security clearances on Amazon or YouTube, or you can okay. look up the, the prophetic world words on Amazon, YouTube. And then also my website, Vince W. Baker, or it's, it's www.vincebakerministries.com, vincebakerministries.com. And I have uh, links to my books there. Okay, I'll put those links below so our audience can find that as well. And if I can have you end our time together with a prayer, I would really appreciate it. Father, right now I decree and declare the blessing of the Lord on people. I speak blessings. I speak blessing that their eyes will be open, their ears will be open. They'll hear your truth. Father, we're entering into the dangerous times. And Father, I pray you'll strengthen your people. 
uh, clothe them in your weaponry, clothe them, make them a weapon, help, help them to enter into your covenant, how to please you. Father, I speak to those, the lost and the dying, that they would their eyes would be open, that messengers would be sent out. Your people would go out with this message, Lord, that you will prepare them for this judgment day that's coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening and supporting another episode of My Life Now. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast show and share it with a friend. Together, we can keep the message of these books alive. Until we turn the next page together, stay classy.